She's concerned she's a little bit loud. She, is, she needs to sing. Be right. Number red. Number, number, red. number red needs to come down. <laughs> number there. red. Number red. Color red. Red is a number. And she's see, not singing because she's afraid she's going to. Please, too loud. No, I'm not mad. I was singing so quiet, and I was like. No, it's not over quite yet. You'll know it. We'll end it with fire. It's not over yet, but Christmas is really where it all began. You've heard the Christmas story before. It goes a little something like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him the name Jesus. And he will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Bethlehem. Because he belonged to the house and line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you. We thank you that we have a time of remembrance, time of celebration. Father, we know that no word that you give fails. We know that Jesus came to die for all of us here. And we know that we are forgiven through Jesus Christ. We know that we have hope of eternal life through Jesus. I thank you, Father, for this moment, for this time, for this culmination of the ages in history. That Jesus would become a human being just like us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. That was the Christmas story from Luke. And you've probably read it before. I'm sure you've heard it before. But that's not the first time in Scripture that you hear the Christmas story. The Old Testament is filled with the Christmas story. The coming of the Messiah. Prophecies that say someone's going to come along. Perhaps nowhere better or more plain than the prophet Isaiah. For to us, writes Isaiah, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government, that is his rule, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accompany this. this. This was talked about, this was prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before Christmas. 700 years before, if you will, tonight. was prophesied by those that came before Isaiah. We'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Have you ever, though, asked or, or said of yourself or thought of yourself, I was born for this. I was born for, sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, (laughs) but sometimes you think of yourself, I was born for this. It's usually something you like, it's it's usually something you want to do, but regardless of that, it's usually something you're good at. You're able to do it better than anyone else. Now others may agree or disagree, but it doesn't really matter. You know the truth. It becomes a part of you. You feel it in your core. Tonight we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Tonight we celebrate light coming into the world, freedom, forgiveness, purpose, and service. Tonight we celebrate life, all wrapped up in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Because all of these things we celebrate tonight, Jesus was born for. 
Jesus was born to give you and I purpose and meaning. And he was good at it. You know, when he was 12 years old, his parents lost him. I've had some sinking feelings in my life. I don't know what that's like when you misplace God. They traveled three days and realized Jesus was not with them. When they finally found him, he was in the temple, both learning and teaching. When confronted, his response was a lesson for all of us. He says, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? There are many important things that we attend to in our lives, but life is ultimately futile if those things are not combined with being about our father's business. That's the purpose we have gained from Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus was born in what you and I might call a low position in order to show every person in this room that they too have value, that they have tremendous meaning and tremendous purpose. Church, without hope, there's no point. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter how long you live. Doesn't matter what you accomplish. Without hope, there's no point. In other words, there's no purpose without hope. Jesus gives us purpose because He gives us hope. Hope is certainty for an eternal life through Christ. That's what Jesus was born for. We have purpose. This child was born to give certainty of life that no matter what we do, listen now, there is purpose in our lives, every decision we make, good purposes and bad purposes, to build life or to tear it down. And this life we can build is a lasting life, complete in peace and joy. Jesus was born on Christmas to show and reveal all of this to us. He was also born to reveal that we cannot do anything that we've just talked about by ourselves. You cannot do it on your own, nor can I. So Jesus was born not just to give purpose and meaning, but Jesus was born for forgiveness. He was born for forgiveness, and He was good at it. One of my favorite stories is the account of Jesus confronting a woman accused of adultery. Those who brought the woman to Jesus reminded him that the law said that she was to be stoned to death. After this, he kneels down and he writes in the dirt, most probably the parts of the Old Testament law that the accusers were so quick to evoke. He then tells them to look at their own lives. Look at their own righteousness. And if they are righteous by themselves, go ahead and kill her. Well, that's quite a chance he's taking, it seems. But one by one, his accusers, or her accusers walk away, all of them failing the test. When they'd gone, it was just Jesus and the woman. And he asked, where are your accusers? Is there no one left to condemn you? He then says to the woman, I don't condemn you either. Now go and leave your life of sin. 
At no point in the story does Jesus refute the charges. In fact, he implies by telling her to repent and leave her life of sin that the charges are true. But Jesus was born to forgive. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because he wasn't born to condemn. He was born to forgive. We condemn ourselves. But Jesus was born to change all that. Perhaps no better example than Jesus while he was being in the process of being crucified. Asked the Father to forgive his executioners. Jesus was born to give us purpose. He was born to forgive. Jesus was born to restore all of creation. You see, when we sinned, Adam and Eve, you and me, when we sinned against God, it was not just you and I that became unmade from what we were meant to be. It was all of creation. We sometimes forget this. That we're told by God through His servant Paul that the world groans under the curse, crying out for relief that will one day come at the ultimate redemption of God's people when Christ returns. The only way to fix all of this, the only way to fix creation was to become creation, to fix it from the inside out. That's what Jesus does for you and me, right? Fix it from the inside out. Doesn't feel like it all the time. Sometimes it feels worse. Sometimes it feels like there's battle going on. But I'll tell you, anytime you're in, in the fight, as it were, in the game, you're going to feel that battle going on sometimes. The only way to avoid that is just sit on the sidelines. Just sit on the sidelines. He fixes you and me from the inside out. He fixes creation from the inside out. He was born for it, and He's good at it. He fixes you and me by the cross. Speaking of the cross, there was one more thing Jesus was born for on Christmas. Jesus was born to die. That's why we're here. Because a baby was born to die. Even our Christmas songs talk about this. They remind us, born to die that man might live, came to earth his life to give. Jesus was born perfectly and lived perfectly, all to become your sin. All the bad and evil and darkness that wells up inside the person, Jesus was born to take to the cross. That's why we celebrate Christmas. He was born to become your curse for you as we gaze upon the manger. God made Him who had no sin to be sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And church, even dying, Jesus did well. Seems an odd thing to say, but let me tell you what I mean. You and I, we don't have the choice when it comes to our physical death. The body one day will give out this tent, a tent's meant to be put up and taken down. It's a temporary thing. One day it will come down, and we don't get to choose that. We don't get to choose to participate or abstain 
But Jesus, Jesus had that choice. Jesus had the choice to die for you or not die for you. He even goes so far as to tell his disciples, don't you think for a second that I could call down a whole legion of angels and just call the whole thing off? But Jesus was about his father's business all the way to death on a cross. And a bit ironically, it was this death that caused Jesus to fulfill what he was ultimately born for. Jesus was born to give us life. That's what Christmas is for. That's the beginning of life. That life that Jesus offers, that Jesus gives, stretches both ways through history. And so I know there were years that came before Christmas, but that's why Christmas is the beginning. Jesus was born to give us life. You know, there is one thing, though, that Jesus was not particularly good at, Staying dead. He was lousy at staying dead. Jesus couldn't stay dead if he tried. I mean, think about it. He rarely ever passed a funeral that he didn't ruin. Because church, when the dead wake up, funeral's over. When the dead wake up, The morning is over. When the dead wake up, sadness is over. When the dead wake up, anger and fear and hopelessness is over. When the dead wake up, tears of sorrow turn to tears of joy. Jesus was born to wake up the dead. That's what this child does. Give them life. Oh, we still go through the physical death, the temporary death. But that's not the end of life. I don't even know why we call death, death. We ought to just call it a change of address. Jesus was born to give us a new life, new name, a new home, a new future, and a new heart. Tonight and tomorrow, you celebrate the birth of Jesus. The reality is, church, you celebrate your own birth as well. You celebrate your own life. I find it interesting that both the prophets and the angels do not say that Jesus was born to Mary. They do not say that Jesus was born to Joseph. They do not say that Jesus was born to the Father. Both Isaiah and the angels in their proclamation say that this child was born to you, was born to you, was given to you. The life that this child contains was given to you, that this child tonight, through this child, you have been given the right to life because of the life of Christ. Now, this life is bought and secured by Jesus. But the knowledge of this life, the knowledge of this light, does now today and has always passed from one person to another. 
I don't know why God wanted to work it out that way, but that's the way He decided. That we would get to write a verse in this carol of life. And we would get to pass on life from one person to another, father to son, mother to daughter, brother to sister, friend to friend, even to strangers. Child of God to future children of God. Tonight we get the chance symbolically to do that, but it's more than just a symbol, church. This passing of light, of life, this is one of the things that you were born to do. Don't go your whole life and miss this. Life's fleeting. Don't go your whole life and miss it. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I thank you that we have been given purpose and value. I thank you, Father, that we have been given the opportunity to love one another. I thank you that we have been given an opportunity to pass light, pass life from one person to another. I thank you that Jesus became became just like a messy, messy creation. And then he loves us. Loves us so much that he died for us. Thank you, Father, for this gift of Christmas. Thank you that Jesus was born for all of these wonderful things. Amen.
before the earth was molded, before the dawn of man, before the... Thank you, ladies. You've uh, probably heard the Christmas story before, and if you did, probably went something like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, it is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, a town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That is the Christmas story. Again, something you've probably heard before. You've read it before. But that's not the first time that account comes from Luke, and that's not the first time we read the Christmas story. In fact, we read the Christmas story or about the Christmas story and aspects of the Christmas story all throughout the Old Testament, through the pages leading up to Christ's actual birth, we read about the birth of Jesus. Perhaps nowhere better or more plain than the prophet Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government, that is His rule, will be on His shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of His rule, and, and His peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And that was written by the prophet 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years. Before that, we hear David prophesy about the coming Messiah. Before that, we hear Moses prophesy about the coming Messiah. Before that, we hear Abraham prophesy about the coming Messiah. Before that, going clear back to Genesis, we see prophecies about the coming Messiah. (laughs) Have you ever said of yourself or to yourself, I was born for this. I was born for this. Sometimes we think we are and we're wrong. But most of the time when those thoughts go through our head, it's usually something that we want to do, something that we like. Uh, But really, more to the point, it's something that we are good at. We say, I was born for this. It's effective and it works. Others may agree. Others may disagree. But it doesn't really matter. You know that you are born for a certain thing. You feel it in your core. You know the truth. Tonight, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Tonight, we celebrate, tonight and tomorrow, we celebrate light coming into the world. We celebrate freedom. Forgiveness, purpose, and service. Tonight we celebrate life, all wrapped up in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Because all these things we celebrate tonight, Jesus was born for. The writers of Hebrews calls this the culmination of the ages. I love that. The culmination of everything before and everything after hinges upon. The life of Jesus Christ, the culmination of the ages. It really is the beginning. The beginning of real life, true life. Last service, as soon as I stepped up, one of the kids asked, is it over? One of the kids hopefully asked, is it over? And I said, no, it's not over. In fact, the birth of Jesus is the beginning of real life. Jesus was born for this. Jesus was born to give purpose and meaning, and He was good at it. When He was 12 years old, His parents lost Him. I've had some sinking feelings in my life. I don't know what it would feel like to lose God, but they did. They traveled three days and realized Jesus was not with them. When they finally found Him, He was in the temple. He was both learning and he was teaching. When confronted about this, his response, church, is a lesson for all of us. His response was this, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know that I must be about my father's business? 
See, Jesus knew what it was to have purpose. He knew what it was to have meaning. He knew what it was to have a mission in life, and He grants that to you and to me. There are many important things that we must attend to in our lives. Tomorrow, we're going to find out that many of those, while important, do not last. But life ultimately is futile if those are not combined with being about our Father's business. Jesus was born in what you and I might call a low position in order to show everyone, certainly everyone in this room, that they too have incredible value, that they too have a mission in life, that they have tremendous meaning, and they have a purpose, and we need a purpose. We need this hope from Jesus. Church, without hope, there's no point. I don't care what you do. I don't care what you get involved in. I don't care where you go. I don't care how many castles you build. Without hope for tomorrow, there is no point. Why waste your time? But with Jesus, there is now certainty of eternal life. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We don't look upon Christmas with dread. We look upon Christmas with celebration. There is hope because of Jesus. This child was born to give this certainty. No matter what we do, there is purpose to it because of Christmas. Good purposes or bad purposes. The decisions we make, the acts we are involved in to build life or to tear it down. And this life that we build can last forever in complete peace and joy. Jesus was born to show and reveal all of this to us. And also to reveal that we cannot do it ourselves. We can't do it alone. Everything we've just talked about sounds nice, but we can't do it ourselves. So Jesus was born for forgiveness. He was born to give us purpose, and He was born to forgive, and He was good at it. One of my favorite stories is the account of Jesus confronting a woman uh, accused of adultery. And those who brought the woman to Jesus reminded Him that the law said she was to be stoned to death, reminding the one who wrote the law what the law says. At this, He kneels down. He writes in the dirt, most probably the parts of the Old Testament law that the accusers were so quick to evoke. He then tells them to look at their own lives. And if they are righteous by themselves, go ahead and kill her. Now, it seems like he's taking an awful risk. But one by one, the accusers walk away, all of them failing the test. When they had gone... It was just the woman and Jesus. And he asked her, where are all your accusers? Is there no one left to condemn you? He then says to the woman, I don't condemn you either. Now go, leave your life of sin. At no point in the story does Jesus refute the charges. He even implies that the charges are true by telling her to repent and leave her life of sin. But Jesus, Jesus was born to forgive. He was born to forgive. That was His job, and He was good at it. He does not condemn. Unfortunately, we condemn ourselves, but Jesus was born to change all that too. Perhaps no better example than Jesus, while being crucified, 
asking the Father to forgive his executioners. He was born to forgive, church. Jesus was born on this night to restore. To restore you and me, but much more than that, to restore all of creation. You see, when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned and you and me against God, it was not just you and I who became unmade from what we were meant to be. It was all of creation itself. I think sometimes we forget that. In fact, God reminds us through His servant Paul that the world groans under the curse, crying out for the relief that will come at the ultimate redemption of God's people when Christ returns. The only way for Him to fix creation was to become creation. You see, Jesus was born to fix it from the inside out. That's what He does for you and me. Fixes us from the inside out. Doesn't feel that way sometimes. Sometimes it, sometimes it feels the opposite of that. As though there was peace. And now there's, now there's a battle, an argument, a fire. But I think that happens with refinement. I think if you don't want to struggle with that, if you don't want to battle that, just sit on the sidelines. Because when you're in a fight, when you're in the game, you're going to fail a little bit of that. You're going to taste a little bit of that battle on the inside. You see, Jesus fixes from the inside out. He was born for it. He was born to fix all of creation. And He did that through the cross. Speaking of the cross, there was one more thing that this baby was born for tonight. He was born to die. That's what we're celebrating here. A child that was born to be killed. Jesus was born to die. Even our Christmas songs remind us, born to die that man might live, came to earth his life to give. In fact, it's that song that was the inspiration for this particular message. Jesus was born perfectly. And lived perfectly, all to become your sin. All the bad, all the evil, the darkness that wells up inside the person, this child was born to take to the cross, to bury. He was born to become your curse for you. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. He was born to die. And even dying, Jesus did well. I know that sounds like a rather strange thing to say. What I mean is this. You and I do not have the choice when it comes to our physical death. We cannot choose to participate or abstain. But Jesus, Jesus had that choice. Jesus had that choice, not just in the garden. Jesus had that choice from the moment He was born through His life and ministry. Every time He was tested, it was simply the devil saying, come, on, come down off that cross. He had the choice. He reminds His disciples, don't you think that I could call a whole legion of angels and my Father would send them? But see, Jesus was about His Father's business all the way to death on the cross. And 
a bit ironically. It was this death that caused Jesus to fulfill what He was ultimately born for. He was born to give us life. He was born to exchange His life for ours. That's Christmas. That's Easter. That's everything in between. Speaking of Easter, you know, there is one thing that Jesus was not particularly good at. Staying dead. In fact, He was horrible at that. Jesus couldn't stay dead if He tried. Think about it. He rarely ever passed a funeral that He didn't ruin. What was it Rose said? Put the fun in funeral, right? That's what Jesus does. Why? Because when the dead wake up, funeral's over. Funeral's over. When the dead wake up, the morning's over. When the dead wake up, the sadness is over. When the dead wake up, the anger, the fear, the hopelessness is over. When the dead wake up, tears of sorrow and loss turn to tears of joy. Why was this baby born on Christmas? Jesus was born to wake up the dead and give them life. Oh, we still go through the physical death, you and I. But it's a temporary death, transitional death. That's not the end of life at all. I don't even know why we call death, death. We ought to just call it a change of address. Jesus was born to give us a new life, a new name, a new home, a new future, and a new heart. Tonight, tomorrow, you celebrate the birth of Jesus. But you celebrate your own life as well. I find it very interesting that both the prophets and the angels do not say that Jesus was born to Mary. They don't say that Jesus was born to Joseph. They don't say that Jesus was born to the Father. Both Isaiah and the angels say this, that Jesus was born to you. Jesus was born to you. This, this, this is ownership. This is, this is to embrace who He is, what He is, fully, completely, and having the God-given right to do it. What is it? It's life. Life. Life showed up on Christmas. And He sealed the deal after He rose from the dead. Through this child tonight, you've been given that right. This life is bought and secured by Christ. But the knowledge of it, the knowledge of this life, the knowledge of this light, from the time of Jesus until now, has always been passed from one person to another. I don't know why God designed it that way. I think He knew that the struggle was going to be important, that genuine faith was going to be needed in order to give your life over to Jesus. So it passes from one to another. Father to son, mother to daughter, brother to sister, friend to friend, 
even to strangers, child of God to future children of God. Church, I told you that Jesus gives us purpose on Christmas. This, this, this is one of your purposes. To share that life and that life with those around you. You have good news to give. Don't go your whole life and miss it, please. Don't go your whole life and miss what you were created to do. To share the life of Jesus Christ. So that others may live, others may see this incredible light. We're going to have the chance to do that tonight. Please be careful. The goal is that we use the same church next year. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the love that you've given us. We thank you, Father, for the joy that we have through Jesus Christ. But we also thank you for the purpose that we have been given. We thank you, Father, for the meaning. We thank you for forgiveness, Father. We thank you for life. And we thank you for the light that Jesus shows. Father, help us now, today, tonight, to not only celebrate the birth of Christ, but to celebrate the fact that we get to write a verse in this carol. That we get to be in service to the King. That we get to share the same hope that we have, the same certainty of eternal life with those around us. Help us, Father, to use this, to embrace this as an eternal Christmas, as an eternal celebration. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand stand and sing with me?
the earth was molded. Before the dawn of man, before there was a universe, God still had his plan. He looked into the future, into the hearts of unborn men, and saw rebellion, disobedience, and sin. They would take the love he gave them, the freedom to decide. They'd turn their lives against him in their selfishness and pride. They seemed bent on destruction, determined to do wrong. But saving sinners from themselves was God's plan all along. I'll send a rescuer. I'll do what they can't do. A sacrifice to pay the price to make them clean and new. But only one's qualified to bear the heavy cost. My spotless son, the Holy One, to die upon the cross. Without hesitation, Jesus stood up from his throne. I want to give my life for them. It's my task alone. In eons past, a plan was formed and sealed by God above. The Savior came to set men free. did it all for love. Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you once again for a one more year. One more year of celebrating Jesus' birth. One more year of hope. One more year, Father, of life that you've granted. Father, we long for the return of Jesus. But in the meantime, we thank you that you grant us nights like tonight, seasons like this season, to remember that you love us, that you don't leave us alone. You love us so much that Jesus came, became us, and died to save us. We thank you, Father. In your Son's name, amen. Merry Christmas. You're dismissed.